0: to Creative Chit Chat, episode number seven with me, Ryan McLeod, and this week's guest is Layla Brown. She's a classically trained singer. She runs a singing school out in Arbroath and is also part of a band called Lunan Bay. As well as that, she's put on a whole load of events and does some great work with groups of young people and really helping empower people through singing. Um, So there are stories really interesting. But before we dive into the podcast, a little bit of scheduling. The plan is, over the Christmas period, to release one more this year. So that'll be coming out next week. And then I'm going to take a bit of a break. I'm going on a bit of a holiday, so I decided just to have a bit of a Christmas break and come back on the 18th with some exciting guests lined up for the start of next year that I've already recorded and got ready to go. So, yeah, they're really worth looking out for in the new year. But let's get into episode seven with Layla Brown.
1: Well, I've always loved music and it's never something like I really considered as a career. I went to music lessons from a young age. More than anything, I wanted to be a piano player. I wanted to play piano, I don't know why. I had a piano teacher and I started singing lessons at the same time because someone was like, oh, you're a good singer. And my piano teacher ended up just being a total tyrant and told me like the most I would ever make from my life was stacking shelves in Safeways. <laughs> so, whereas my singing teacher was totally fabulous and just so eccentric. Like she must have been about 70 when I started with her. But she just told me, like, or what I learned from her was just to, like, love music and the passion that it brings and the things that you can sing about. And, I mean, she was. Oh, she is. She's, like, 90 now and she's still alive and I still spend time with her. And, I mean, you can only describe her as fabulous. But she taught me loads about music, but in singing with, like, funny anecdotes in between. So she was always, like, never marry for love, just for money. And (laughs) uh, she used to this is really bad, but when I was about 10, she'd like to drink wine, so she used to write notes to the shop and then they would sell me bottles of wine to take back to my singing life. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing she did teach me was just about performing, and just how to perform songs and how it made you feel and that kind of just sparked an interest in me. And then I went through school, I enjoyed school, I enjoyed a range of subjects, enjoyed music enjoyed history but never really knew what my direction was going to be and then I had a friend who studied contemporary dance in Leeds and I went to visit her when I was 17 and I just fell in love with the city, it was exciting, there was loads going on, it, I mean I was only there two days but just something about that city just it was like I could live here, like I, I, could, I could live here and before that I never wanted to leave Dundee or Arbroath and then she was like oh there's a music school. So I applied and um, I was kind of on a back foot because like my music theory, I had to sit an exam. I just didn't, they asked me to like notate happy birthday in the key of E flat. I just didn't have a clue but kind of managed to get through the exam and I auditioned and then I didn't think I would got in because it was all a bit like I just didn't think I was ready. I ended up calling them to ask them a question and they told me that I managed to get in and that I came highly recommended on my voice. So obviously a lot of work had to be done, but they saw potential in me. And then from that, it just, I went to Leeds and yeah, it was a real learning curve. So it was called Music Studies. So I was like, oh yeah, I study music. And actually little did I know that I was going to be studying classical music. So it was like this whole world that I just... I just didn't know about. And you would go into class and they would play you a song once and then they'd say, oh, right, now you've got to get up and perform it. And I was 18, left home for the first time. I was a bit taken by the world of party, and I wasn't really ready, like, confidence-wise. My course was three years. I, I would say, like, I got through it, but parts of it were really difficult, theory-wise. And even performance-wise, I think I would definitely say my confidence took a bit of a knock because I just... I just don't... It was the right timing for me to be there, but I don't think I made the most of the opportunities that were there. The opera companies or just the musicians that were around me. I was surrounded by loads of talented musicians, but because I didn't have the confidence because of my age or my learning that I just didn't, you know, go and network or forge the relationships and make the bands that you could have made or... Um, But all in all it was an amazing experience, like it was really good life learning, like I knew that I could go and live somewhere else and I made amazing friends and it did spark something inside me, so the end of my degree I didn't think, oh that's me, I'm ready, I'm a singer now. It was just like, I've just begun. This is my journey just beginning, like that was just, that was like my first set of technical training and if you think piano players or Classical musicians start from a really young age to be amazing, and I was starting at 18. But um, I ended up coming back to Dundee because I got offered a really good job, or the job that I wanted at the time, because I was interested in like the creative arts and working with people who don't have the same opportunities. So I was really fortunate, like I did take music lessons as a child, but my parents paid for them and. I was an only child and my mum was an artist so they would really support that whereas there's could be amazing talented people out there but they just don't have the same opportunities they don't have the money they don't have the emotional support that studying something like that has so when I was at music school I did develop a real interest in how do we engage with these young people or how can we encourage them so I got offered a job with a charity in Dundee kind of planning creative workshops and using the arts to work on people's confidence and leadership skills and that was perfect for me at the time I'd finished uni it was something I could get my teeth into but it also meant I could focus on my own stuff
2: What was the charity?
1: It was at the time called Pure Media UK so I'd come through them so when I was 15 they gave me loads of opportunities as a young musician as an opportunities to record and stuff so they were still doing creative art workshops all over And through them, so I came back and I kind of did all the planning and the workshops and ended up like going and working in China and stuff and running workshops there, which was an amazing experience. And I got like a wealth of knowledge and fundraising and planning and facilitating workshops. And so from that perspective, like my confidence really grew in how to work with people and how to work with young people. So that was good. So it kind of gave me that balance. Um, And then just kind of try to use my time wisely so I was always working on my, like, classical singing because, you know, like I said, I hadn't had any classical experience but at the end of the three years I didn't think, right, that's be done with classical music, I did it to get through my degree, it was actually like, this is really good, like, actually there's a lot of merit merit in classical music, it makes you a better singer and what they were writing back then was really impressive and when you sing it I found it quite empowering to sing classical music because it wasn't just like picking up a song and learning the words you know you were learning a different language or just the technical ability that was needed kind of I was like yeah this is something I'd quite be interested in pursuing so I just found a teacher and kept going really but it was good it was hard to get a balance though between eventually what happened was I became so wrapped up in my work with the charity that it was harder for me to focus on my own singing. So you
2: couldn't find a balance between the two. No,
1: I couldn't. I was working all the time, and um, so then singing just just kept on just not practicing and not focusing. And the motto of the charity was uh, "Life is big. Be all that you can be," which is something I totally believe in. But I wasn't being all that I can be. I wasn't yeah, you being tr-
2: feel like you're being a fraud by yeah. promoting that part of the time, but then not actually doing it yourself.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I wasn't I wasn't doing that. Cause, like what I wanted to be or what I want to work in is music, and that's not what I was doing. So I kind of had to change. So I left my job and I started waitressing at Tea and Cake, and it was an amazing experience. Like at the time, it felt your ego takes a bit of a beating because you're like oh I was doing all this amazing work and I was like preparing teams to go to China and India and South Africa and now look at me I'm just waiting tables but I absolutely loved it and I could clear my mind like I was going to work I was just we played amazing music so (laughs) I was just like loved the music that we played every day and loads of really great people came in and I made loads of good contacts that were really useful and that time kind of gave me the chance to think what do I want to do mm-hmm. like what's what's my journey look like now so um yeah it was good but it was a really interesting time and I realised from then on that um teaching was a really good way to make money because I wasn't making enough money by being a waitress so I kind of needed to how did I pay my rent so just started bits of teaching and I realised as a musician that's quite a good way it's, good way to make an income and focus on what you want to do so I slowly just started building up a business.
2: So up to that point the only teaching experience you'd had would have been just based upon the workshops and things like that?
1: Yeah the workshops and then a few people had approached me and asked me to take oh you're a singer could you take my daughter she's got an exam coming up so I did that and then I found it terrifying to start off with because it's like okay I studied classical music and I know technique and I practice technique all the time but do I have the ability? But slowly through doing that I realised actually I could, I can do this and then I was approached by a school in Curnicity to come and teach musical theatre which I don't know a lot about musical theatre like I know but I knew I knew I could teach technique and so I just kind of skilled myself up like research musicals, what's appropriate from the classes that I'm teaching So that was kind of teaching experience I had. And then someone said to me, oh, you should just advertise on Facebook like that you're a singing teacher. And then it just got mental after that. So at one point I was like, I would get my rota on a Sunday for uh, waitressing and then I'd have to like contact like 25 students to fit them in around that. And then that's when I kind of made the decision, right, Once again, I didn't have that balance, right? I was teaching all the time, I was waitressing, but I wasn't singing. So I was like, right, something needs to give again.
2: But all that's moving towards you creating a life centered around what you want to
1: do. Yeah, totally. So then from that, I think it must have been in, I can't remember when I went full time, two years ago maybe, 2014, 13, can't remember. So then slowly I could just stop waitressing and then I focused on... I could teach in the evenings and work on my own singing during the day. And then from that, yeah, it was good. I was um okay, I was focusing on the classical stuff, which is good, you know, learning new repertoire, which is really important, but you need an outlet for that. So some people approach me and ask me, you know, a guest soloist for various like choral unions or um, male voice choirs. Which is good work to get, and then um, I did a few concert seasons and like churches and cathedrals. They tend to run their own classical concert seasons, which was good. But I wasn't singing enough, so I decided to put on my own concert because you can make an income, but also I study classical music, but I, like I love jazz and a lot of traditional folk music. Cause that's kind of where my singing started. So I wanted an outlet where I could perform all these things. So I just started on putting on like jazz lunches and.
2: What's a jazz lunch?
1: Well, just where people could, (laughs) people would come and buy food, and I would sing jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not just jazz. I do a whole mixture, but it was, it was just a good way for me to keep on performing because essentially what I like to do is I really enjoy performing for people, which sounds quite egotistical, but I like the outlet of. Performing,
2: but then if, if you're a singer, then that's natural. Yeah,
1: right? totally. Yeah, very natural. And I don't enjoy it because everybody's looking at me. I enjoy it because of the work that you're performing, what someone's put into that, and then you sharing that for an audience and how how it makes them feel like listening to a song. So. Because
2: um, you get a very, you get a very direct interaction, whereas the the sort of stuff I do. Is very much screen based, so the, I will very rarely see anyone using my work. I'll probably just find out if it doesn't work. <laughs> in the <way> it <laughs> yeah, it's, it's completely different, but there isn't enjoyment factor of Mm-mm. of hearing the people have really enjoyed your work, work. where, where you, you can see that really directly. and instantly.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's definitely like a an instant reaction or response from people, or you know, the more confident you get. When you learn as a child, or when I'm teaching, like I always tell them, to always look above people's heads because you like it's good for your nerves and your confidence. To you don't, but then as you become more confident, you can maybe take time to look, like look at your audience and see how they're responding, which is is quite nice. I quite enjoy and see how what they think of it. So yeah, so I kind of found space and time to, um, just. So I was singing, so I was getting enjoyment from something that I was doing and then, then that kind of wasn't or I was looking for something new like I've always wanted to I love listening to music and I love bands and I love a lot of artists like you know Bonobo and stuff like that are a bit more electronic so I've always wanted to make my own music but where do you begin and you know I really love like people that are really good writers, especially like women, Karen from the IAS and stuff like that. And so I find it really hard to write because I'm always trying to, you know, I haven't even started, I've not even picked up a pen, but I'm already comparing myself to them, which like you shouldn't do, but I've always wanted to kind of, you know, start a band or be in a band or, but you know, like I said, when I was surrounded by amazing musicians, I just didn't have the confidence to approach them. So then. And, you know, I had so many failed attempts at trying to work with guitarists that were like amazing musicians, but so unreliable, and you know wouldn't turn up or would be totally stoned, or do you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is all good, but nothing would work. And then I can't. I well, dates fail me now, but like one of my really good pals, her brother, he moved back to Arbroath and I spend a lot of time with their family at Christmas and on Boxing Day we were just chatting and I was like oh yeah I really like you know James Blake's album, oh yeah I love James Blake I really like this and we just realised that we really liked all the same music and he's a drummer and he does a lot of electronic music which is what I love and then we kept on drinking Prosecco and got more drunk and we're like yeah yeah and then we kept on saying yeah we should make music together yeah and it was always kind of like drunk promises and then in January we just like text each other and we're like, nope, let's go for coffee. We're actually going to do this, and then we started uh, Lune Bay, which has probably been like my favorite thing, one of my favorite things today. So we're a duo. So he's a he's a drummer and mm-hmm. I'm a singer. So a bit of a hipster setup, mm-hmm. <laughs> but with like electronic soundtrack, and yeah, we just spent a year in his studio in his parents' house in Arbroath, just recording an album not performing for anyone not even being named so like a real hipster setup, <laughs> just drinking coffee that he had uh, roasted because he's a coffee roaster as well <laughs> but yeah it was brilliant it was just then that just kind of felt like now i'm on the path to what i want to do and and then yeah after time we named ourselves and bay and then so far to date we've only had like one show but I spent the summer in London training with a singing teacher, but before we went, it was really important for me to do something with Linen Bay. So we picked Hospital Field House in Our One, because we're both from our Two, like the seas really influenced a lot about what we do, the landscape, because we both grew up in our We really like love the sea. And that really I think comes across in our music or our writing. So um, it was really important to pick somewhere and it was really important for us to be in charge of our show. So it wasn't like we were going to play a gig with another band, not for that reason, but we just wanted to control the setup, what it looked like, what it sounded like. And then um, we just decided to do it ourselves. So we weren't going to charge people. We were just like, come and see this show. And yeah, it was really good. But we did say, you know, donations, welcome, because we are artists at the end of the day and we've paid for this all over you know, we've taken a risk, you know, we paid for this, but it was an amazing event and, like, we made all of our money back, and oh. then some, so we covered all of our costs and goes towards, like, our recording, and it was a good experience, like, loads of different people from loads of different places, through um Jamie, who I'm in the band with, he's got his own coffee roastery, and they are like involved with all these different food networks, which is also really exciting just now. Like in this area, people like all the gins and the vodkas and the cool cafes. So like loads of people from those came to watch the gig. But then obviously, because of Hospital Fields House residencies, we had like all these artists from all over. They were all there. So it was just like this really cool event. And it kind of has given us ideas for the future about probably controlling all of our events like that or deciding where we performed and kind of, um, yeah, that sort of thing.
2: So do you think to do another album or are you going to do more performances? or
1: More performances. Because we spent a year recording the album, it was just us like that only listened to it. And then it was good, but it was very processed. So it was like all the electronics were there, like all the drums were electronic. But we found from playing live that actually one of our biggest strengths is playing live so now we're kind of transforming that taking the album that we re- originally did and redoing it so it's got more of that live feeling through it so live drums and live vocals and kind of capturing that moment so working on our own shows we want to do more live performances so we did a show in our both but now we want to do one in dundee and we're looking at a couple of different venues to do it in but which are more like restaurant based and stuff mm-hmm. so like a friend of mine owns Avery & Co so we might use that space because then we're kind of in control again yeah. so and we can invite people along so doing that but just off the back of it you know Jamie had a really good idea about how we used Hospital field house and maybe we would love to tour but maybe our tour would be like going to loads of like smaller places where they don't like our growth don't have a lot going on but have like real artist communities. You yeah, know? so
2: you sort of tap into those yeah. groups of people, which is your target audience, if you like, for the music as well.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we've got all those plans, which is it's quite exciting. But as a musician, you kind of, uh, I think, as a singer, there comes a point, <laughs> like where you realise like you're not going to be Adele. Like I didn't want to be Adele, but (laughs) you know that you're not going to be signed because the music world can be quite like... A lot of my friends work in industry who I went to music school with, and it's hardcore industry. Nobody's there to foster your dreams or your ambitions. They're there to make money off you. So you kind of come to a point and it's like, what makes me happy and how can I recreate that? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's like just doing it yourself.
2: So when when did that realisation
1: happen? Yeah, probably about the time that I was working in tea and cake. I was like right okay, so you're so you're getting older, but age has nothing to do with it. But you know, like if you look at Well it
2: does though, because there's a sort of perception of that that people become stars when they're young and in the same way it works as in like football and things yeah, like that. Totally. There's only so long you've got to capture that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, but that's the general way that it works. Yeah. And that's how the industry is driven, and it's not going to change anything soon.
1: So. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that is it, because you look at, like, some DJs and stuff are, like, 18, 19, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm positively past it. I think I was, like, 26 when I was waitressing, and, like, James Blake just won the Mercury Music Award, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, so, yeah, it was around about that time that I was like, what makes me truly happy? And how? How am I going to get that feeling? Like, what is it that I want to do that will give me that fulfilment? And it's like making music. And it's not... I don't want to go through those gruelling to like have that fame that they have, but I mm-hmm. want to make a living from what I like doing, yep. making music and performing. So how, how do you do that?
2: One of the things that's come up as a sort of theme of the podcast is asking people about the concept of success mm-hmm. and how they perceive that and that initially I think we all look at it as fame and fortune
1: mm-hmm.
2: but in reality especially pursuing a creative career there's a lot of people starting to say as you've just done that it's about what's right for you and mm-hmm. creating a lifestyle that you enjoy This yeah. is not necessarily about making millions
1: yeah totally that is definitely the way to do
2: so what would success be for you? Or what do you perceive as, as being successful? Oh,
1: mm, tough. Originally I would have said it was like making a living from what I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I do now. But I now, want now in my life I want a new challenge. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I'm challenged enough as much as I enjoy what I'm doing now. So I think success for me now would be making brand new work that I can tour and it's not necessarily music it's like cro like cross art like I like I'm an only child so um which is fine like I haven't got any <laughs> issues with that but but I do like to be around people and so I, I like to work in partnership with people I would love to just make I would love to make brand new work that's quite can be quite challenging and like challenge people's perceptions and stuff and and have the opportunity to tour that and that and that be my life like you know maybe having one place that you're based but travelling around a lot and you know like learning from different artists but like collaborating and making new stuff and then touring that for a while and I think that's what success would look like now.
2: So to go back to the, the singing school, mm-hmm. and you said that initially it started from Facebook, just a Facebook page. Yeah. So how did you build that up to the point at which you decided, oh, I'm going to have to actually sack off my job and, and go for it? I
1: was, like, working all the hours. It was like, I'd get up and I'd go and waitress, and then I'd come home and I'd work from the moment the school's finished, which was, like, 3.30 up until 10 o'clock. And so... It was tiring and I was was a bit frustrating and then I couldn't fit anybody else in. So it's like, oh, do you say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't take you because I'd much rather like wait tables for like seven hours a day or do you just take the step? And and I did. And like a really powerful tool was um, I did concerts with the kids. So that was like, it was important to do that because for me, because it's all part of the process a confidence process it's like you're teaching them a lot and they see you face to face but that um, you need to work on their confidence or put what they've been learning into practice and then I find that by doing these concerts it's actually really good for my business because parents like love to film their kids and put it on Facebook and then lo and behold the next day I'd be inundated with like can you teach can you teach like oh have you got space for my child so um And I was like, oh, that's actually really clever. I never thought about that before, but they then, so literally only ever had to advertise through Facebook. And I built up my business from like, one point I had one student, obviously, because you have to start one somewhere and then had a second student who was only three. But someone was like, a lot of people would be like, no. But I was like, right, okay, I'll give it a try. What have I got to lose? I'm not going to say no, because she's too young. Why don't I just try? And then, you know, you learn a lot because it's like you can't give them a conventional singing lesson so it's like how do they learn but then that's like that for all your students Mm. and so then I um, and then now I think I have like close to 40 students one point over 40 um. but then you know people go to university and stuff so I've had students for a long time but now they're you know away to art school or like they're you know pursuing a lot of them like creative careers and stuff so um, yeah, so just built up from there and I, such a massive range so like from three-year-olds I have just have someone who's just turned four so still teaching young but I have someone who's like 80 who I go and visit at their house because it just brings them enjoyment and release and like therapy as well for a lot of people and teach some people, some adults that have never Uh, sung before but they just want to try something and and it's really powerful that's one thing I've realised that is very therapeutic for a lot of people or you know a lot of people have maybe had traumas but actually having the singing lessons makes such a massive difference not because they want to be Adele or they want to be the next big star but it actually just releases something inside them so yeah it's been good because I like working with people so it's been the teaching's been really helpful from, from that perspective. And then some just insanely talented people. You just can't believe that. You just feel like I feel quite like honoured to be part of their journey. And you hear them sing, and you're like, actually can't believe that. And you then you I in turn do my best to encourage them so that they can you know learn from what the things I did. Mm-hmm. There's so many more opportunities for young people these days with like creative apprenticeships and. I think my journey would have been so much different if I was their age now. If that makes sense, because they can get into the industry
2: a lot. Yeah, I mean, I see that even just going back to the university and doing some lecturing and thinking, yeah. the guys that are here, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on. That yeah, you don't know whether it's just because of the time, is it because of the the stuff that's available to them? Like, the, I mean. You didn't really Google that much stuff when I was the first year at uni. <laughs> yeah, and now, totally. like, all the information in the world is just a, like a click away. But is it that, or is it that the people coming through now are just more talented? It's, it's I difficult what, to say.
1: Yeah, I think obviously, like, the country's economic pos- position and everything has a lot to do with it. Like, it's a bit, I think it's just fascinating how creative industries have sort of gone. So, before, like, you know, we, so you showed like artistic flair or musical flair it was like go oh, go to like music school or art school whereas it's like now they can come out and you know do apprenticeships for like channel four or and they're getting right in there because they don't necessarily need their degrees but I wouldn't change my time because someone mm. was like oh you say now that music school was the right thing for me because it opened up classical music and that opened up my whole journey but it's it's definitely... Would you have gone to university if you could have gone and worked for Channel 4 right off the back? And, I don't I
2: th- know. Yeah, I think there are a lot more opportunities and I I don't know if I'd have gone to university again because mm-hmm. there are, as you say, like apprenticeships, actually doing things in-house and having four years in a job, would you learn more than what you would at university? Mm-hmm. But then you would have lost out on the social aspect of it and yeah. living there with your friends and better made friends for life. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, so... Uh, Yeah, the social aspect is amazing. Mm -hmm. But there's obviously a financial aspect as well that's becoming more and more prominent. Mm. Students are putting themselves, especially down south, into a hell of a lot of debt that's going to cripple you for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's weighing up that as well. Yeah. It's tricky.
1: Yeah, no, it is not like, so some really talented young people, but it's good to encourage them. You know, before there was like this thought, or I've heard people say, like from my generation who are, you know, musicians that they found it hard their teacher was always a little bit competitive with them because they were taken aback by their talent and but it's so important to push them do you know what I mean my mm. journey is completely different from a 16 year old girl who's like living in a, in a time I'm a lot older so I, what I need to do is encourage her and like I've had an amazing time pursuing what I love so if that if music makes her happy then what how can I help her kind of take those steps as well that's really important
2: yeah, because you need to be your singing teacher as opposed to your piano teacher.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: Maybe not with the wine and stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Minus the wine, because you'd probably get put on... Well, that would be scandal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, you don't know whether you would have pursued singing if that... Uh, I don't know the name, but...
1: Yeah, no, you uh, have Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either yeah either if, I, if I had... To, I wouldn't have. Like, not that... If, could you imagine if I had ju- if I never gone to singing lessons and I'd just gone to piano lessons, I would have been like a shell of a human being, stacking shells in ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's important to encourage them, like the next generation.
0: Because
2: a lot of the stuff that you do outside the, the school and other things is focused around young people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's so important to... I don't know, I like people, I like to meet people, I like to engage with people, I really like young people and young people who are given a really bad rep, it's just they're like oh look at the youths doing this and doing that but then, my gosh there's loads of amazing young people out there, they're all amazing and maybe don't all have the same opportunities or maybe they do have the opportunities but they're like confused, like do you remember what it's like being a teenager, you're like so moody all the time and you like hate your own body and you hate your skin and stuff but it's good to just in... Like, I just want to encourage them and be positive and, you know, like, I don't know, like, the kids are all right, so, like, give them a break, because they can do amazing things, but it's like, oh, well, they've been running around doing this and vandalising this and stuff, but they can produce amazing work, so let's encourage that, as opposed to just giving them a hard time all the time.
2: Mm. You seem to be, you promote women and music Mm. very well. Is that a conscious thing, or has that Mm. just happened over time, or...?
1: yeah i think it's like uh, it's quite funny because i when i was like in my early 20s i used to be like oh i hate that's such a strong word to say i hate female singer songwriters (laughs) because they're so boring but i actually don't like i don't think i should i don't wouldn't say that now don't promote that i remember when i was in my second year at university i had to write a mini dissertation um and i chose to write mine on uh, women in music and my case study was Kate Bush and I think it probably just stemmed from there. I mean I thought she was amazing because she was like so out there and she's really eccentric. I learned loads about her like she was signed when she was 15 and they kind of gave her two years to go and work on her art form because they were so young and they didn't want to damage her which is amazing which wouldn't happen now in the industry and so she was like 17 when she released Wuthering Heights and then she a year after that she became her own manager and started her own label because she didn't like how women were perceived in music it was like we're next to nothing in your music video and stuff and so she kind of took it into her own hands and and yeah i think that kind of always stuck with me and then from there kind of developed that interest in women in music and how we're perceived and how it is harder for us or it has been and that's kind of how when the seed was planted and then I think I found from working with young people especially like young girls and young women just kind of things that they do to each other and like how they're so down on themselves and I was asked to take like a girl's singing group and uh, yeah it was good I'd just get them to sing songs but over time I just started to observe them how they treated each other and how One week they were talking to each other, the next week they were not talking to each other, one was being alienated, and then like the way they would give like snide looks at each other across the room, and I was like, oh, can't do this anymore. You know, we have to be honest that women are still on a back foot. You know, of course, like you can't help but talk about politics. You know, we now have a president that thinks it's okay to like say demeaning things about women, and he's been elevated to a place of power. We have moved forward, but not completely. So it's like, watching them treat each other like that I was like this isn't right and I know you know I was guilty of doing stuff as a when I was a teenage girl but it's like I started to say to them like we need to come together we have to work together if if society is giving us a hard time we can't be battling against each other we need to like come together work together so that we can take steps forward together so then I, and I just realised that it makes such a massive difference to them, you know, they're, they care for each other a lot more and there's something really powerful about when they sing together, it's like they're united in something and it's just quite powerful in what they do, so just from working with them and then I just, I guess being a woman, like that's like first-hand experience, like and I haven't, I wouldn't say I have noticed any hardships in particular but it's just through the case studies and stuff that you read that I'm like that's really interesting, I'd quite like to challenge that or why has that happened or... Yeah it's funny, I'm, I've applied for a Masters so th- they talk a lot about research and one of the things I'm really interested in, in classical music you have song cycles and. There's a song cycle by Schumann called Frauen und Leben, which it translates as the life, in, the life and Love of Women. So it's a set of poems that were written in 1830 by a man. And then it's a classical song cycle that's to be performed by a woman, but tells a story of her life. It's all about like, oh, now I've seen him, my life is complete. And then it's like the next song is, he's the most amazing thing that I've ever met and I'm just not good enough for him. And then I think that really challenged me. I mean I know it was written in eighteen forty, so so I've been doing a lot of research into that. How could that be performed now? And how would we change that now? Because can a man write from a woman's perspective? Like it was done back then. But and you know, what I just don't agree with it being like he's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me and I can't look at him because he is the bright, the brightest star in the whole sky. That's what she's saying. And he needs to find someone who's worthy of him because I'm not worthy. And I'm like, well, that's not true. <laughs> not today's standards. So um, it's like, I've got a real interest. That's a project that I want to work on. I want to like, I want to update that for now. Like, what does that look like now? A lot of women choose not to get married or married so early and then have or it doesn't follow that pattern so a woman's lifespan is not like that anymore
2: so do you think that's about trying to change people's perceptions
1: i don't know i just think it's interesting oh i don't know how i feel about it personally i just really liked it as a song cycle i thought i like the perspective of just one person performing um, and telling a story through a series of songs that are all joined And then I like, but it's totally outdated. And then so, and then it's the third thing that comes in, it's like updating classical music for now. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people, or you know, you wouldn't just go out on a Saturday night and see like a classical singer perform this. So for me, it was like, actually that would open up new audiences as well. Cause I'm like trying to update this classical process of song cycles to be open to audiences so it's not I just think it's just we use art to give our message all the time so it's just yeah looking at it from a different angle or presenting it and I guess I'm just so I just realize, well I'm a woman so that's my first hand like that's what I should the angle I should take it from I shouldn't look for other experiences that I've not had like, what are my experiences? Oh, I'm a woman. That's why I'm so encouraged by that, and that's why I want to. And I've been surrounded by loads of strong women, so I want to celebrate that. So that's where my interest and my focus comes from.
2: I mean, it sounds like you've you've got a responsibility. To yeah. That.
1: yeah. Yeah, totally. It's right. I do really feel like that. I think it's just because I really care about all the girls that I work with. And the girls that I've met and, you know, I've met girls that come from quite difficult circumstances and, you know, maybe they've not, like things haven't worked out well for them. So I just want to be a good role model for them. I want to encourage them that like they won't always feel like this or, you know, they can achieve great things. And um, yeah, maybe well, I didn't have any siblings, so maybe it's like I just see everybody as like a sister. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know, I just want. Yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah.
2: So you said there's a sort of potentially a master's on the horizon. Yeah. Um, but what's over and above that, what's, what's the goal? What's next? What do you want to do?
1: Well,. From talking to you today, I realised that I keep, like, I come to points in my life where I do something and then I see it through and I've enjoyed it and I've learned a lot, but then I need to move on to something else because I can't get the balance right. Mm -hmm. And I think I've reached a new point, like, as I love to teach and I've had amazing experiences and I'll always take that and I can always come back to teaching. But once again, I'm not focusing on what I want to do. I don't think I've challenged myself fully as a singer haven't produced all the work that I wanted to do so I think I need to start making sacrifices to focus on that again so yeah it's about I'm interested in doing a master's because I need that time to think about all that research and create that work that I've not created yet and you know it's that thing I was saying about not having the confidence when I was 18 on my way to be 30 now and I now have that confidence and I want to make the most of those relationships. So that's why I want to do a master's and so I can be in an institute where I can meet all those musicians again and we can all be in the same place and maybe start workshopping ideas and I can start workshopping my ideas and seeing if that's going to work. and So I can learn about research to create new work. So, I mean, eventually I think I would really like my own performance company. I guess it's just a continued portfolio career, like as as a creative, a musician, a singer, definitely you take a portfolio career like your life is always a bit of this, a bit of this because nothing, you know, nothing is steady, but I would like my own performance company where I'm creating brand new work and I love how the arts make you feel, you know, you can watch, like you can look at a painting and be moved by it, you can watch someone dance and be moved by it, you can hear someone sing and be moved by it what would happen if you brought all of them together? It would be like a sensory overload, wouldn't it? If they like, if something, so um, I'm really fascinated by that. So eventually I think I'd like my own company where I'm working with filmmakers or designers or dancers and we're creating brand new work that can challenge perceptions, but also we can use to in the community. So it's like coming back to that teaching aspect and um, one because it's a good business model like from doing workshops you know the arts improve like leadership and confidence so but having the opportunity to work with young people and giving them the opportunity to work with artists and just but then at the same time just running that alongside the band so i'm still you know working on loonan bay but i've, I've still got this outlet of performance i never saw myself in an opera company i love classical music but if you want to be a classical singer you really can't make money unless you're in an opera company and I never saw myself there so it's like how did it's how do I make that work for me like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be an opera singer so how can I use classical music and still get enjoyment and maybe it's starting my own thing mm-hmm. but it'll take time to get there
2: yeah and I think as you said the sort of points in your life and it's it's key to know when you need a change mm-hmm. I think and a lot of people will got a gully of it and myself included that you stick at something for too long mm-hmm. and you're not going anywhere you're not moving forward. you're not progressing mm-hmm. and it's really important to identify those points in your life where you go right i just need to get with this so, yeah, yeah
1: totally and i definitely think i've got there and i met with someone this week who was kind of like helping me prepare and they're like sometimes it's it's like you know it's that cliche thing but it's like sacrificing for your art form It's like it's all those poor poets that were like living in, <laughs> like you know my life's become quite comfortable and i know that and it's nice but it's not challenging me so maybe i <laughs> have to give it all up and just go live in someone's attic and <laughs> eat bread and no, like, uh, maybe not that extreme but yeah it's time i definitely think it's time for change and a new challenge
2: if anyone wants to listen to your work, or get in touch with you, or find out more about what you do, yeah. where would they find you?
1: Uh, yeah, in terms of my music, um, like my own personal stuff and projects that I've done, like classical and other projects, uh, on Soundcloud, so you just search for Leila Brown, um, and then you can listen to uh, and Bay, which is my bad. On SoundCloud as well, so just look up Lunen Bay. We've just got one song up there called Winter Sun, but we're in the process of getting everything else up there. And then just contactable through Facebook, that's the best place to get in.
2: And is that just Google uh, searching your name? Yeah, Layla Brown,
1: yeah. And then, or the band Lunen Bay. Yeah, that's how you find us.
2: Great. And
0: that was Layla. Episode 7, Done and Dusted. I hope you enjoyed it. And as I said before, that's the penultimate episode of this year. So one more coming next week. And then that'll be it until the 18th of January. So until next week, goodbye.